Welcome back to the Man Challenge Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Search. I'm flanked by my good friends, Michael and Brett. Hey, everybody. Hey, how's it going out there? All right, fellas. So a guy calls you up, good bud, calls you up, invites you either over to his house or to something, and all you have to do is show up. What would you never turn down? Barbecue. Oh, barbecue. Cookout. I mean, if you're cooking like game, beef, chicken, I mean, I'm there. Like, if I don't, even if I have to bring something like a fork or a napkin. Right. I'm I'm hungry. Yeah. Chili cook off. (laughs) Chili cook off. It's food. It's all about food. Guys are always predictable on this. (laughs) I was really expecting you to be like uh, NFL football game. You know what? I mean, you know, food. Food will do. Football would work. You know, college football. You know, a group of guys and I, uh, we get together for the Masters every year. Oh, sure. Yeah. And uh, it's a a lot of fun. And and some of us, you know, watch golf throughout the year and others don't. But for that one time a year, we. Well, we always get together and watch the Masters. Yeah, you know, there's a couple sporting events I just never watch. I don't even pause. Golf's one of them. Na- NASCAR's <laughs> the other. I don't you mean to offend. Missing I don't. Out. I don't mean to offend, but I just don't. You're missing out. I I love football, and I occasionally watch baseball. I'd like to watch it live, but I I'll, I'll watch baseball. But I've never been a golf golf person. So interesting. How about but you? I, I'm what? for. Well, you know, I I'd um, I'd have to say. Uh, you you just mentioned food, a sporting event. I, I if some guy called me up and was like, "Hey, I got tickets to see the Cowboys play," I'd go see him. Not because yeah. I like the Cowboys, but I've only it's been NFL. To, yeah, it's That's NFL. Right. I've only been to one NFL game. I, I went to the 49ers when we lived out in California at Candlestick Park, which was an absolute piece of trash park. They they closed it down. Now they have that Levi's. Uh, stadium that's pretty nice, <laughs> pretty nice. So I and that would be another thing. If someone was like, "Hey, I'll fly you to the Levi Stadium to see the 49ers I'd be like, "Okay, I'd go." Okay, yeah. not because I like the 49ers I don't. But what about Wisconsin? Would you go to a Green Bay game? Oh yes, dead a winner. Oh heavens, yes. You know what's so amazing about a pro NFL game or yeah. even a basketball game is sometimes watching them with commercials on TV it sure. makes it feel really, really long, but when you're at a game... It goes quick. It is non-stop. No. Something's going yeah. on all the it's time. True. It's right. true. The worst part is if you turn away to like take a bite of a hot dog or something, you just turn away, and then all of a sudden there's the roar from the stands... You, you look down on the stands, and the, the only time I've gone to an NFL game, I look down on the stadium, you know, on the field waiting for the replay, which they'll, like, eventually show. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes they show it on the Jumbotron, like, a minute later, but I want them to, like, rewind and do it, like, holographically. That would be, <laughs> that'd be great. All right. All right. So, um, so every, yes, you know, as, you know, some guy's listening to this right now, like, he's thinking about what he wouldn't turn down if one of his friends called him up. So, let's say a good friend calls you up and is like, hey, dude, I got an extra uh, plus one for a wedding. <laughs> Want to go? Hard pass. <laughs> yeah. So good. Yeah. I, I love being married. I didn't even want to go to my own wedding. You know, honestly, if I could have just skipped the whole thing and be like, hey, babe, meet you later, uh, I would have done that. No, I wouldn't have done that. Just kidding. But maybe I would have done that. But, you know, this is, um, we've been in this series in Man Challenge. We were talking about how, like, the characters, qualities, even the recruitment methodology of Jesus with his disciples. And it's just one of the funny stories. To me, it's a funny story in the Bible. It's in the second chapter of John. And if you listen to the Last Man Challenge podcast, you you remember when, you know, Jesus recruited his first five disciples. It's in John 
chapter one, starting about the mid part of that chapter, and it's the recruitment of John, Andrew, Peter, Nathaniel, and Philip. Well, this is like on the third day after Jesus has already picked up his first disciples in John chapter two. It says, on the third day, a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. So, you know, I mean, he's known these guys for a whopping like 48 hours, roughly, if we take this very literally, and I do. So he's known him for a couple of days, like, dudes, you want to go to a wedding with me? And, uh, and uh, you know, for us, most of us are like, I think I'll, as you mentioned, Brett, hard pass. Hard pass. <laughs> but back then, you know, it was an opportunity for free food and free uh, beverage. Is and there going to be barbecue there? There's probably barbecue. Barbecue, <laughs> lamb, lamb, lamb chop, <laughs> lamb chop, some really good hummus. Yeah. And, you know, this is a culture that, you know, most people are just scraping to get by. So, right. hey, man, free food, I'm in. You know, I'm still in. Actually, you know, every now and then you get, we get those emails from somebody in the office who's like, donuts in the break room, right? <laughs> and you're like, I don't know. I'm not even into donuts, but I'll probably check them out. Yeah. You never know. They might be good. So, but it says that Jesus and his disciples, they get there. And uh, if you've been hanging around the hallways of the church for any length of time, you, you might know this story where it says, uh, you know, they get there and Jesus' mother comes up to him and says, they have no more wine. Which, I grew up Baptist, so we were told it was grape juice, yeah. but it's not. It's wine. I mean, there is a word for juice. This isn't that word, and uh, and so and he's he, there. There, this is a celebratory affair where they have this, and so there's nothing incidentally in the Bible that says someone has to drink wine, and there's nothing in the Bible that says thou shalt not drink wine. There is stuff in the Bible about not being drunk, and there's no pictures or snapshots of anyone ever getting lit and then making a good decision <laughs> in the Bible or in life. So just yeah. if you're listening right now and alcohol is not your thing, then stay away from it. And if you it is your thing, just be, be extremely careful. moderate and careful with it. Be wise with it. So right. anyhow, there's a wedding, and um, apparently more people showed up. For instance, like Jesus had plus five with him, <laughs> and that you know they obviously got invited because they a big no no. They just show. Up. Wedding I mean, I, it's not like there was an invitation that went out, like, we sense Jesus might have friends. I mean, I think they come to Canaan and of uh, Galilee, and this, uh, the, the, the hosts are like, yeah, why don't your friends come too? And so it doesn't take too many of plus fives for the wine to run out, and the wine runs out. And and uh, so Mary's like, hey, they got no more wine. She didn't even ask a question. I, I get this at home. This is very familiar to me yeah. in, in a lot of, you know, it's too hot in here. It's more of a declarative statement than yeah. anything. It's not a request. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, you know, when, when Jennifer says it's too hot in here, you, 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 do you ever be like, well, go put on shorts? Yeah, no, I don't no, do that. Don't. I, we just celebrated 17 years of uh, of yeah. marriage, and yeah. and that's why yeah. is because I realize yeah. it took me a long time. Let me go ahead and say this: it took yeah. me a long time that that wasn't just like like oh yeah, it is hot in here, and yeah. I keep watching TV. No, no, that's a that's a cue. Close the windows, turn on the air conditioning. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I got you. Yeah, that's right. I love Jesus' reply, woman. Why do you involve me? And and it's not disrespectful. I mean, incidentally, it sounds disrespectful. I mean, if my mother would have been like, Bill, could you do the dishes? And I was like, woman, <laughs> I've got Atari to play. <laughs> I got Miss Pac-Man to beat. Uh, no, no, that, would, that wouldn't have flown. But he wasn't being disrespectful. He's like, why do you involve me? Uh, my hour has not yet come. 
And uh, his mother said to his servants, you see what he said? Do whatever he tells you. I love that response. I, I mean, she doesn't argue with him. She doesn't even respond to him. She's like, hey, Jesus, they ran out of wine. He looks at her and says, and my time has not yet come. And she looks past him to the servants and is like, do whatever he tells you to do. So, um, you know, it, back up a little bit. You know, this is, this is being recorded by John, who's a witness to this event. It's not recorded by Matthew, Mark, or Luke. This is unique in John. And John was there, so John had probably advanced, able to look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke and notice they didn't record these stories. So he was like, hey, I'm going to include the stuff they didn't include. He was the last writer of the last gospel, so that's that. But, um, you know, this story is recorded not um, just for fun. This is recorded as as a rollout of the first interaction of those first disciples with Jesus. So just imagine, um, you know, what are they learning along the way here? I mean, they're watching this interaction. What are they, what are they picking up? Do you think? I honestly, what, what I see a lot in this is Jesus's mother's faith in Mm -hmm. who he is. And, um, just, just that assumption and, and projection onto him of, of who he is. Yeah. And and I think that um, that they're witnessing a really interesting dynamic relationship. And I couldn't imagine growing up like being Jesus's brother. Yeah, right. Uh, we were talking about this in my family. It's like, could you imagine uh, if Jesus was your was your brother? Like, <laughs> well, why can't you be more like Jesus? Yeah. Or you know, like, <laughs> That'd be terrible. Can you not just live up? I mean, he's the yeah. oldest, and you know, everybody else that follows is yeah. You know, so yeah, you couldn't ever pin anything on Jesus. No, Jesus, Jesus is Jesus the one that didn't do his chores. <laughs> Mary would be like, I don't think so. Uh, he's yeah. perfect. He's already done it. Why he's do you always perfect. say he's perfect? Because um, <laughs> he's divine incarnation. And so she grew up knowing that. Yeah. And and I think seeing even the 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 relationship, so she knew who he was yeah. and she knew what potentially what he was capable of as well. Yeah. And so I think that those um, those guys around got to see that yeah. in, in the familiarity that they had. And the other thing I think is really interesting in this is the respect that Jesus has for his mother. Yeah. And yeah. her request to him, yeah. which is which is a great, just interesting way that she did it too. But um, you see that that even he honors his mother. Yeah. I think that's a good point. We so often, uh, I grew up, as I mentioned, I grew up Baptist or Protestant. In fact, I grew up Baptist and Lutheran, Baptist-Lutheran. And so I grew up with these uh, sort of two very strong Protestant variations. And so we had a tendency in our our tradition to sort of dismiss or downplay the Virgin Mary. And, And I think part of that was a reaction to Catholicism. That the Lutheran Church, of course, started by Martin Luther, and he reacted to a lot of Catholic doctrine. And, you know, 500 years later, there's not those kind of tensions. Today, people are like, oh, yeah, they wear robes and they do different stuff, but it's not that, you know, people today don't have that same degree of, I don't know, passion, maybe we'd say about it. But one of the downsides of growing up Protestant is we, we have maybe become overly dismissive of Mary, and yet the Gospels, she is the in the top three of most named in the Gospels. There's Jesus, Peter, and Mary. So Mary actually is a prominent person mm-hmm. in the Gospels. And here she plays this key role, 
right up front. She's almost putting the accelerant on the start of his ministry. You know, like he's like, I just recruited five disciples. I'm not, it's almost like you can hear him say, I'm not ready for these guys to fully grasp yet who I am. My time has not yet come. Now, I don't know if that's really what Jesus is getting at. Scholars debate endlessly what he meant by that. But it's plausible that part of it is, is he's got an audience here. Not just the servants, but, it, you know, like, the servants are one thing. You can be super impressive in front of servants and move to the next town, and they just talk about you, like, hey, there was that one cool guy at the wedding. But these five guys are going to go with him different places, mm-hmm. and they're going to know what he's capable of the minute he does this. Because up till now, they're just like, huh, she she has expectations that he's going to do something. Maybe he's got a money bag we don't know about, and he's going to go buy more wine. <laughs> I hope he doesn't turn to us and tell us to go find yeah, wine. Where, where are we going to come up with wine or money for wine or what have you? You know, like, so, so you know, and if you've read it, you know the miracle. He, he Nearby it says stood uh, stone water, six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. So... Big jars. Big jars. Big jars. And Jesus said to his servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And then he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water, and the water had been turned to wine. Which, by the way, one of the things that really bums me out is there's all these things that we insert into the Bible, and then later when you read the Bible, it turns out they're not there. He never dips his finger in the jars. I don't know if he might not have grown up with that, but I remember hearing like he put his finger in the jar. It's probably in a movie somewhere. I don't know. That's kind of gross. <laughs> well, I mean, it's son of God, so <laughs> they, they were washing jars. Yeah, I mean, so. you know, I mean, honestly, I mean, if he put his finger in the jar and it turned to wine, I guess, yeah. yeah, yeah. Personally, when I read this story, I think, oh, I wish you would have turned it into Diet Coke. <laughs> I mean, I got nothing. I mean, I'm not trying to make a statement against wine here, but if he you're could making turn, a statement about Diet Coke, oh, if he could turn it into Pepsi Zero. <laughs> I mean, if I would have been like, if I would have been Nathaniel, I'd been like, I'll follow him to the day I die. And I bet he one of those, water one of those jars would have lasted you almost the whole day. Almost. <laughs> yeah. Each 20 jar. to 30 gallons. Each jar, 20 to 30 gallons. I'd be like the next morning, I'd be like, hey, Jesus, I got a jar here. Uh, I got water in it. Uh, do the thing again. And um, I almost think that that's... Um, I almost think that that might be why he didn't initially uh, get excited about the opportunity that lay before him. And again, I don't want to. I want to be real careful how I impose my thoughts or opinions or emotions on Jesus here, because that's always a dangerous thing to do. You know, we're made in God's image, but so often we return the favor. You know, (laughs) like he's made in. He's made in my image. And we do this all the time. People, oh, God wouldn't be like that. And most of the time I'm like, well, I'm not sure which God you're talking about, but that's... Anyhow, so so all this to say is, is you know, there's probably a part where he knows as soon as he does this, it's not recorded anywhere else in the Gospels. But I have got to believe that at some point, Andrew later was like, oh, wow, this, this water sure is fresh, but man, it'd be great if it had some flavor. <laughs> you know, you know, they had to. Uh-huh, I mean, because sure. uh, I'm, you know, I was a kid once. I'm like, dad, can I have 10 bucks? That's what these guys, you know, that you know that at some point. Um, so 
you know, I, the story goes on. The the you know the uh, host of the wedding party is like, wow, this is amazing stuff. Usually, you bring out the amazing stuff up front, and then later you bring out the not as amazing stuff. When everyone's not as discerning. As exactly. Yeah. I mean, you uh, bring out. Word. Yeah. That's discerning. a good way of putting it. I love yeah. that. That's a really good way of putting Their it. Their palate has not been cleansed. That's exactly. <laughs> so, all right. So, this story, that, that what's interesting is no one at the wedding knows this went down. The servants know this went down. Mary knows this is going to go down. She has a real strong feeling about it. And the five disciples, at least the five we know the names of, they see this go down. So, you're one of the five. How do you feel about this? Like, what are your what are your impressions by this? You've known Jesus now for upwards to forty eight hours, roughly, and this happens. Thoughts? Um, I would be scared. Scared. There would be that that fear. Oh, and, explain and, that. So, um, you know, we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. Is this the this reverence fear, right? That yeah. Um, you know, I wouldn't be like you know, psycho killer afraid of, you yeah. know, who's behind the door type thing. Just be this fear of the unknown. Like, oh my gosh, what is this? This disbelief of what's going on, what's happening right now. Um, you know, we, we kind of talked about uh, uh, like magicians and illusionists, right? Yeah, yeah. We know that's not real, right? Right. We know that it's always a, a sleight of hand type thing. Although David Copperfield did, make David the Copperfield of he, Liberty disappeared. He did, and he, he did. used he used witchcraft to accomplish that. <laughs> right, absolutely. I'm pretty sure he sold his soul. Yeah, absolutely. He's the one that made me want to become a magi- magician whenever I was. Uh, That's funny. He yeah. made me want to become a musician because I couldn't do magic tricks, and neither worked out. I can't do magic or sing. So yeah, so I I would be just fear, just it'd be fearful. Fear. Yeah, That's a really good. You know, Brad, I I that. You think about it, we we wish we could see a miracle like that. And the truth is we see miracles, uh, but they're, they're uh, let's just call them conventional miracles. You pray for somebody's health and it's restored, or you, you pray for certain opportunities and they avail themselves. So this is, you know, that's miraculous, but in a conventional way. And if you saw something like this, where verifiably with your own eyes or taste buds, you saw water transformed immediately, miraculously, into wine. If that didn't really truly put a chill up your spine, you haven't really comprehended what just went down. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it, it's um, the natural order has been accelerated. You know, wine is a process of rain that hits soil that goes up through a vine that then gets to the tip of the vine, giving essentially birth to a little pre-grape, and then a grape. And so the water is all part of it, that the grape is full of essentially rainwater, if you will, filtered all the way up from the soil, through the root, through the vine, and out. But it's it's done instantly without the actual grape. And so if you experience something like that, I mean, it would terrify. It should, in the right way, terrify you, shouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. I would think so. I mean, it wouldn't just be like... Oh, cool. I mean, we think, oh, that'd be so cool to see that. But if you saw someone later in one of Jesus' stories, like with a withered hand, and and all of a sudden the hand just like grows and transforms like into a healthy, vibrant hand, there's a side to you that'd be like, that, that was awesome. Yeah. But there'd also be a side to you that's like, who is this guy? Yeah. They're, I think about like going, you know, seeing people do street magic and when they reveal the illusion... 
yeah. and people can't figure it out, like most of the time they like scream and yes. jump and yell. And right. there's yeah. that just visceral yeah. reaction yeah. To, to what actually happened. Yeah. And in this setting, I'm not even sure if they would, the, the, the guys would be able to do that. No. The, yeah. the, they would have to contain it. I think there was some yeah. there was some sort of containment in that, and yet you still have that. And and that's what I thought yeah. about the chill just go up your spine yeah. is when you actually realize what happened. And I think it's so amazing that Jesus didn't touch the water or yeah. didn't bless it or didn't. didn't. Need, yeah. there, there it was just this action. He just he yeah. told people what to do, and 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 it happened like it just was. Yeah, yeah, a miracle. It, it, that's a really good point. Is that he he speaks the world into being. I mean, he's the, the 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 scriptures teach us. I mean, John one in and through him all things were made. Nothing's been made that that has been made except through him. So, for him to just go, water is now wine, not a problem. God made water come out of a rock before yeah. when they were in the Egyptian right. uh, when they were in the Exodus period. So you know, but I, I think that you you know if you if you're one of these five guys. It is mind blowing. It it's what it is to me when when really miraculous things happen. I've had a few things happen in my life where I can only give credit to God. I can only point to God and go, if it wasn't for God, I don't know how that happens. Right. Right. And actually I think a lot of us it'd be good to keep a little journal. I've heard of people keeping a journal of those miraculous things because in between the miraculous things, there's a lot of mundane. A lot of the average everyday stuff that we don't thank God for. We should, but we don't. But in the mundane, we forget about the miraculous. But when those things happen, it's not a parlor trick like the street musician or magician or straight musician for that matter. It's it's not that. It's to it's to stretch your faith, expecting you to step out in more faith. And so, you know, these five guys get to see this, and then from this, they're going to be stretched beyond what is normal. So, you know, think in your own life, how has God stretched you in, in, in some way, shape, or form? And it may, it may have been from some miraculous thing, but I'm just thinking they're going to they're gonna be on a journey with Jesus here that's going to revolutionize them. And it's going to take a while. But think in your own life. How has God done that for you, that he's, he's brought some revolution in your life, some transformation in your life? I know that's a broad question. It is. And I always think about it in, in terms of like breadcrumbs. And, you know, you, you have to leave breadcrumbs far enough away from each other that you can find the next breadcrumb. And I think early on in our faith, we have breadcrumbs in our lives, whether it's revelation from Scripture or these God moments that that move, and they'll they'll end up being close together um, and relatively small, or sometimes big. But you start to to find those breadcrumbs and see them and follow them to where your breadcrumbs can actually become further and further away, and you're actually having to step out in faith in those. And and I, it's just so interesting, and you see. Um, all these things happen, and unless you really acknowledge yeah. and remember them, so I think that was a really good point: is to to bring out a journal. Um, yeah. Is that these little breadcrumbs that that we're following? You know, God is drawing us to Him yeah. and increasing our faith and allowing us to live on His bread. Yeah, 
No, that's that's good. You know, I think you know when you asked that question, I was I was trying to think of something that you know I remember vividly about something that I either prayed for or miraculously I saw happen. Um, and I was there's one thing that comes to mind, but I, more often than not, it comes well after God's brought me through the season, and I've looked back and I realize, you know the miracle that he has done mm. either in my life or, you know, through other people, through yeah. me, um, yeah, to, for me. Um, but there is this one thing we did, um, early on, God put it on my heart to try to do like a, a father daughter dance. Right. And yeah. so, uh, not church related. Yeah. Right. I was doing it outside the church. I was yeah. me and my wife and our, our Bible study group, we were doing it together. And, um, but Mary and I fronted most of the money. And we're talking a week out from the event, and we had sold, like, maybe two tickets. Oh, dear. Right? And we were planning on, you know, 300 people. And um, literally that night, Mary and I are in our bed. We're, we're, we're tears. Yeah. And, like, God, what are you what are you showing us? What are we doing, right? We're, yeah. And, um, you know, prayed. The next morning, by nine o'clock, completely sold out. Wow. We were turning families away. Wow. I couldn't even, it was hard mm. to have that conversation to turn people away. Wow. You know, fathers that wanted to be there yeah. with their daughters. So, snooze you lose, dude. Right. You know, I think it, it's, it's important for us to recall those stories. You know, it's interesting. They, they, in the Old Testament, it seemed like they were always putting up a stone of remembrance, mm-hmm. some sort yes. of monument to remind themselves of God's provision, to remind themselves that God had seen them through, that he was the faithful one. And it wasn't uh, a cultural bragging moment. It was truly a God's steady hand has been upon us so that in future generations, they could look back and go, God did that. God brought us through the Jordan River here. This was that spot. And as they visited those places, they weren't places to worship, they were places of worship. They were places to worship God. And I think as uh, is, is we're you know, looking at the early development of Jesus' men, the guys closest to Jesus, I think that uh, it evidently stuck out in John's mind, this story. I mean, if you think about it, again, again he's the only guy that reports this particular story. And it must have been one of those things. A lot of people think he wrote this gospel later in life, uh, deep into his grain or silver years. And if that's the case, you know, this is one of those things you look back and go, you know what? The thing that got me was when he turned water into wine. Mm. Not because John really loved wine. I mean, probably thought it was great, you know? Probably, maybe he thought it was as good as Diet Coke. I'm not sure about that. I mean, John never had the pleasure of Diet Coke. If he had Diet Coke, he'd have been like... The wine was great, but Diet Coke would have been better. But he does look back, and and I wonder, one is, you know, in all seriousness, it, it was the Son of God, so he, Jesus is the Son of God, so I, it had to be like the best wine ever. So there had to be a certain part where he's like, oh, to have a taste of that wine again. Mm-hmm. You know, there had to be something uh, vibrant in that vino that made him, but it was something that John remembered, and maybe that was 
part of John going, I'm going to follow this guy till I die. Not because he can turn water into wine. That is not because John loved wine, but because he realized this guy is the guy. Yeah, John, John the Baptist said this guy's the guy. I believe it. But then when he does something like that, that's the beginning. And you can almost, you can almost, if, if, if those five guys would have said to Jesus, that was awesome. You could almost hear Jesus going, you ain't seen nothing yet. Right. That's right. You ain't seen nothing yet. So, so, you know, as we wrap this one up, uh, you know, if you're listening in, you know, ask yourself, you know, where have you seen God moving in your life? Where have you seen a water and a wine kind of moment in your life? Not not necessarily some splashy, miraculous thing. It could be in those simple breadcrumbs, as you said, Michael, mm-hmm. those day-to-day things, big and small. But as you're reflecting on this topic, ask yourself, you know, where have you seen God? And then how is that preparing you or stretching you for what comes next, that next step with God. As always, thanks for tuning in to the uh, Man Challenge podcast. I have been your host, Bill Search. And this is Michael Foster. Brett Williams. And until next time, God bless, be well, and tune in again. <laughs>